You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. The film we're going to talk about this week is one that I'd never, ever heard of. But as soon as it popped up on Amazon Prime, I was hooked in immediately. And my wife and I watched it. We thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know, Pascal, that you both watched it as well. And you both thoroughly enjoyed it. But as I say, until it popped up in Amazon Prime, I'd never heard of it before. And I think that that is interesting from a marketing point of view. And that's something that we definitely need to talk about. But before we do, why not let's watch and listen to the trailer. Boy, they say kids never come by unless they need something. Dad, I need your help. I'll get my coat. 30 years in the future, we are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human, and we are losing. We need you to fight. I will be back, and I love you, Chickpea. Seven days from now, when you're sent into that war, you won't be fighting for your country. You'll be fighting for the world. Is it all right? Yeah, going to war. Stop talking. Listen. Sorry, I, I mean, when I'm nervous, I talk. I'm like 90, 97 on the nervous scale. That should be fun. Welcome to the future. You and your unit are now in 2051. They're everywhere. We are food, and they are hungry. Our enemy is smarter, faster, and stronger than you can possibly imagine. Do you want to see something really dangerous? I feel like literally that's all I've been doing since I got here, but okay. Within the next few weeks, the human species will disappear from the face of the earth. Nothing we do here matters. That's where you're wrong. I don't believe that one bit. Together, we can stop this war from ever happening. This is my opportunity to give this world a second chance. Second chances are really hard to come by. Light him up! I'm not gonna hide. I'm gonna fight. It's not even loaded. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not loaded. It's a pressurized cabin. Why would I load it in the cabin? The bullet goes in thing and everybody's sucked out. So, Pascal, the Tomorrow War. What did you think of this one? Well, like you said, it felt like this incredible gift that came out of nowhere 
released on the 2nd of July around the world to all Amazon Prime Video subscribers. And, oh my goodness, like you, I saw this visual, I saw this little message that this was exclusive to Amazon Prime, I put the trailer on, and I'll be honest with you, I watched only half of it because I thought, oh, this is going to be so good, I want no spoilers. Then Denise came back from, from the shops probably, and I said, I declared, I know what we're watching tonight, <laughs> by the way, darling. <laughs> and two and a half hours, if not more, of adventure, sci-fi, science, excitement, and I thought, what a treat. July the 2nd, we're still going through whatever lockdown measures and restrictions, and it felt just um, a wonderful way to spend an evening. Yeah, it was it was a great film, um, absolutely full of non almost non-stop action. Uh, I thought it was well acted by a fairly powerful cast, actually, um, you know, with um, Chris Pratt, Yvonne uh, Stravosky from uh, Handmaid's Tale, Tale you yeah. recognise her from there, um, Sam Richardson... Mary Lynn, Raj Cub, and yeah, it was it, it was a time travel movie, and for once, and this absolutely blew my mind, Pascal. It was a time travel movie, but instead of people coming back from the future to try and change something that's happened in the past, it was actually people from the present going to the future to change something, which was a totally different um, approach and one that I don't think I've ever seen done in a film before. But on top of that, it was a, a very well-realised monster movie as well, and the CGI monsters in this film were really quite convincing and therefore very scary indeed. I would agree. I mean, the for me, the standout moment in a film is when the monsters that we later understand are called the white spikes, uh, are revealed, you know, when they go down the, the, the staircase in a building that's about to collapse. And the way it's revealed felt like an all-classic horror movie, in a way. And then from that point on, it just goes on. And although the film is over the two-and-a-half-hour mark, it went by so quickly. And it feels to me as well that there were some scenes that have been removed because every so often the story kind of jumps on quite a bit. Um, so I'm thinking, oh my God, is there potentially a director's cut somewhere that we're going to be able to watch? Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, as you say, there were some noticeable jumps in the narrative, and 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 again, it was it was an action film, which which was uh, edge of the seat stuff, but also there was a genuine story um, in the background as well, which involved the two time periods and uh, the relationship between Chris Pratt the father, and Yvonne Strawisky, the daughter. I can't really say much else, otherwise I'll blow the plot for, mm. for people who haven't watched the film. But I just I did I really like the way they had that interplay between the two characters in two different time zones, which was, which was really interesting. So, so what, what was your standout moment, Pascal? So I mentioned the, the reveal of, of the monsters in, 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 the, in the staircase. Yeah. Um, actually, another one, oddly, although the, the attack of the, of the base, uh, like you, I feel so nervous talking about this film because perhaps <laughs> people have not seen it yet, but the one when, for the first time ever, the people in 2021 travel into the future of 2051, and the arrival is so brutal and so well filmed um, that it makes you realise, oh my God, this is not a film where essentially, forgive me, the heroes are going to necessarily win. There was there was some sense of jeopardy in there. So the arrival into the future, the way it was realised, was also a big standout moment to me. Yeah, I mean, do you think it was 
Do you think there was too many elements in the film? We've already said there was time travel, there was the uh, father-daughter relationship subplot, there was the 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 origin of the aliens subplot as well, and uh, obviously the, the many many battles. So you had time travel, you had aliens, you had battles, and uh, was there too much for me? All. It was probably a. We are in 2021. We, we can cope as, as uh, consumers <laughs> complex stories. I know why you're asking the question, Roger, because we know through our research but also the evidence that critics have been reasonably unkind to the movie. But guess what? Mm. Viewers loved it. And this, mm. as we'll discover in a moment, became the highest-ranking streaming movie in the world. Yeah, and, and deservedly so. So, Pascal, there is a big problem, though. Because as I've said, I knew nothing about this film until it appeared in my feed on Amazon Prime that day that we actually watched it. So that, to a certain extent, suggests that they got the marketing wrong. So what did they do? Yeah, well, interestingly, when you and I decided to go for this film, not knowing much about the marketing, but only because we love the movie... Uh, there was some trepidation, I must confess, Roger, because I thought, my God, are we going to do the research and find nothing? Because this is a movie that first was announced in November 2019 or 20, if memory serves. And then there was a pandemic. There was all sort of thing going on. And the first time people knew this movie existed, if somehow, by accident, you stumbled upon the trailers in April of 2021 but ultimately the the announcement you know was very much the 15th of june two weeks before the release on amazon prime people got to know about mm. it so, but when we did the research you and i and when we went on the official social media network i realized you and i that the marketing campaign was quite significant but somehow mm. may have been missed so to begin with I uh, always pay attention, of course, you know this, to what's happening on social media, hoping that we can learn some lessons. And I will say that the use of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is full of great examples and lessons. So yes, they had clips from the movie, but they focused on themes like the humor side of the movie, or the action, or the science, or the sense of jeopardy and danger. They also spotlighted the characters, but they also did, and I need to do some research, very similar things that they did on the um in, uh, Invisible Man that we reviewed. This idea of animating the text or the captioning of the voice but using animation in, in terms of the calligraphy. They also did some static photo um, graphics on social media focusing on the stars, on the viewing figures because ultimately, Roger, whereby in the past movies will claim the, the revenue in dollars, euros and pounds. They can do that because this was for the subscribers. We already paid to watch mm. this film. So they had to use the viewing figures, which was was first time I've seen this, and the rating, which is why they could claim that they were one of the, the highest ranking streaming movie in the US first and then the rest of the world. But they did all the things. They retweeted all the reviews and reaction from the fans. If there was interviews of the stars and the filmmakers on other platforms, they were done shared on social media. There was behind-the-scenes clips. There were spotlights on the special effects and green screen. They also had a fun quiz where they had kids asking science questions from their their kind of classroom or textbook. And the stars didn't know, for example, how many planets there were in the solar system, or they didn't know, you know, things that most kids would know, so they were embarrassing themselves, almost like the, um, you know, the Harry Potter advert of sort. And then they also had <laughs> on social media a little fun game, a very simple game of a video, whereby you had almost this kind of roulette-type things, um, um, and you would pose the video to find your 2051 destiny. 
I'm glad to say that according to this game, I will save your life, Roger, in 2051 <laughs> against the White Spikes. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, they really pulled um, the, a rabbit out of the hat with their PR stunts for this movie. Now, again, you know, we weren't aware of this, but that doesn't mean that they weren't impressive. Uh, so all sorts of... I think they, they tried to build up quite a lot of hype around the alien. Now, as you said, they're called White Spikes. Very, very striking design, CGI, very, very frightening. And they've created all sorts of... I mean, viral spottings of white spikes in a forest near Wembley in the United Kingdom. And they even, you know, organized like a fake live cargo transportation stunt where they're pretending to transport a white spike across uh, from Chile and Japan and driving them through metropolitan areas. Now, obviously, they're trying to get the fans to come out and take photographs and share them on social media, but you know, that, that, I, I love that approach. I thought that was really, really interesting, actually getting people to try and spot the monsters as they were being driven past. And, and I guess that whole sort of community that built up around those events turned into watch parties, um, in addition to the virtual screenings and things like that. And I believe that uh, Chris Pratt actually organized a challenge on TikTok, um, getting eight top creators to make a video inspired by by the Tomorrow War. And again, that just added more to the, the PR and media excitement. I think for me, the, the PR stunts are the one that I feel a little envious. It was so often when we do the, mm -hmm. the marketing, uh, film marketing, I feel, oh, if only we'd been in Los Angeles, we'd have seen the live cargo and the containers uh, with, uh, you know, kind of the, I think it was the tentacles of the white spikes kind of dangling and threatening, you know, the crowd. Uh -huh. But you're right, the, Chris Pratt has, has done a lot. And we, we, nah, he was a executive producer on the film, so maybe he was encouraged to do so. But we've seen more and more of the stars and the filmmakers using their own social network to push out messages, but also to be an instigator. You mentioned the TikTok challenge. He was also present when they did some advanced screening and screening parties for the the armed forces and he was there via zoom to welcome people uh, they organized countless virtual screenings for uh, magazines because ultimately what would have happened in, in the past roger and i mean before the pandemic people would have been invited to screenings at cinemas but they couldn't mm -hmm. do that, obviously, so mm -hmm. they organized virtual screenings instead. And some of them were sponsored or in partnership with charities that were known both nationally and internationally. So I think that the PR was really, really good. I mean, the one that got my attention as part of the research, when they created two things, a retro um, game, a la Space Invaders, but you were the white spice, so you were killing humans, which I thought was, a, <laughs> was an interesting angle. And you could play the game, um, I was very rusty because when I played it, um, I remember playing Space Invaders and doing quite well, but I didn't do so well, much to the advantage of the humans. But the one that I was, again, a little envious, Roger, is that if you took part in a PR campaign, you could also win a survival kit. <laughs> and essentially, you'd be sent a rock side with lots of things you would need from um, walkie-talkies, glow sticks, blankets, and more to survive the alien invasion. I mean, they, they love it, love it. Genius stuff as well. And um, it's a real shame that yeah. a lot of this passed, passed us by in the UK because it does seem to be extremely US focused. I, mean, I, I don't know, did we just miss it completely or was it a, a flaw in the plan? 
Uh, is it a flaw in the plan? Uh, I mean, if I feel guilty to criticise the, the marketing uh, team and their decisions because, you know, we're not part of, of the briefing sessions and so on. But yes, it feels very US-centric. I mean, for example, another thing they did in the US was during, you know, just before and during the release of the film, if you did all the things on Amazon, which, as we know, was the distribution, the, the streaming platform, you could receive uh, boxes which were branded to World War. Um, and people literally were ordering items on Amazon just to get a box uh, because fans had to collect things, you know. So that, that was quite interesting. But for me, the, the one thing that, as I'm stepping back a bit from the, uh, the enjoyment of the film and being uh, putting my marketing hat on, I will say that it feels as though suddenly the marketing didn't claim uh, its style. You know, the, the, the calligraphy of, of the posters um, the poster themselves, you know, very blue. You can't quite make out what you see and so on. And it feels, it doesn't feel rushed. I think there's not a commitment to a tone of voice or something that you and I could have seen other movies done because this could have been the next Jurassic Park, frankly, in terms of the iconography, in terms of the style, the lettering and so on. And it feels just okay. And there wasn't an official website. Yeah. Uh, email marketing was a bit lax and they stopped doing the social media quite quickly after the um, the film had been released so some massive wins definitely some massive wins some incredible creativity and and, and a lot of attempts to build community around some of the events that they put on but it just seemed to then sort of as you say it didn't have the cohesiveness of other marketing campaigns and it, it effectively fizzled out quite quickly yeah, if you look on social media, the last post across both the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is 30 July. Bang, that's it. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no more. And and well, you know that, it, and people, viewers and listeners will know that this is my regular moan about no official website because I think it's so important for a film like this one, particularly Roger, when they are talking about making a sequel, for this for this to be to have a hub for the fans where they can actually gather all more information. They can, you know, ask people to post their selfies with with the cargo, with the alien. Uh, they can ask people to even suggest, take part in games, send their scores, you know, or send a picture of their 2051 Destiny predictions and that kind of things. And, and I think that's where maybe you and I, because we've been able to explore now over 50 um, film marketing campaigns, we can see and join the dots a bit more. And I'm thinking... For a movie that gave people a two-week notice and blew our, mind, blew our minds, really, you can't deny that this was a wonderful uh, gift, you know, a summer blockbuster for all, all the fans. But you've got to ask the question as to, are, are we still in a, in a position where then they move on very quickly to, to the next project, which is also something that we are all guilty of as content creators, yeah? We release the latest podcast, the latest video, and we move on to the next thing. And is it still something that uh, is to be resolved for you know content marketers out there? I think you're absolutely right. Maybe, you know, this was... Um, because of the pandemic as well. This was a film that was being entirely launched on a streaming platform, and maybe they just felt that that was the approach they had to take, you know, dive in, do a lot of stuff, and then disappear. Mm. And may maybe they'll have learned the lessons that actually maybe we should have stick to, stuck around a little bit longer and continued with the um, impetus, continued with the um, yeah. 
momentum that we'd built up and carry on. So so like we're all, we're all learning all the time, aren't we, Pascal? I say that all the time. I never say I'm an expert because I'm always learning day to day. Hopefully they've learned some lessons from this marketing campaign so that when Tomorrow War 2, or whatever it might be called, comes along, that maybe they won't repeat some of those mistakes again. Indeed, and we call them mistakes, Roger, only because we we don't have the information, we don't have the brief yes. and, and, the, and the project plan. But for me, they, they're probably missed opportunities as well as, as being mistakes. So uh, people from Paramount Pictures, if you're listening to this podcast, just get in touch. We've got lots of ideas for you to make sure that your next campaign uh, works. But can I just finish on really applauding the PR campaign? The PR stunts are amazing. They give us lots of ideas as, as brands, both business brands and personal brands. And and I still feel that what a treat that was to watch this film over the summer. It was great. It was great. Definitely one to rewatch as well, probably in the not too distant future. Well, Pascal, we had a month off. We're back. That was episode 51. Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast is as strong as ever. Really enjoyed talking through all of our different sections, content spotlights, film marketing, etc., etc. So thank you once again for being such a fantastic co-host. And thank you to everybody who watched and listened to Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast. We really do appreciate you taking the time to watch and to listen. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us comments either on the YouTube channel or on Twitter or wherever you want to get in touch with us. And tell us which films you'd like us to review in the future. So until next time, go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fintoni. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.